our parents who are like, you know, what are you did, reading? What are you yeah, doing? Are you Who's yeah. this man you follow? And you know, what is your spiritual practice now? And but anyways, so and it just evolved like that, and so we just kind of. Um, when, when when we finally came to you with this idea, Ravi, we we knew it was an older teen to young adult to adult. It's for even um, it's for devotees everyone. who've been on this path forever who want to look at it with beginner's mind or fresh eyes who want to share it with their children or grandchildren, and and so that's kind of the the origin story and where we were at with this, and and it's been an amazing process um, just for us personally. In the back of the book, we talk about methods, you know, and Ram Dass says, you know, don't get lost, don't get trapped in the method. It's just a method. Hey, everyone, it's Mind Rolling. I'm back with two wonderful people who happen to be identical sisters who put together this phenomenal book called You Are the Universe, Ramdas Maps the Journey. How's Thank that? Hi, Ravi. <laughs> oh, God. You know, in the, just, just this, you know, the, uh, we're going to talk about us and all of that, not just uh, this book, which is I feel, as we just discussed, really uh, something that's phenomenal uh, just across generations, which is, you know, unusual to get, because it was, this is a book that we would, in my mind, be a, be here now for next generation, which was what the intention was. But as we just said, it's reaching far beyond that. Um this is, I just flipped open, you know, to, there's, everybody, there's brown pages in this book, and just like Be Here Now, and it's kind of set up the same way, and it's all Ram Dass's words, and this is probably, so I just wanted to read this one thing to give people an idea of what's in this book. Of course, his whole story is in this book, From Life to Death, and it includes everything that he represents, all the teachings that he has represented over the years, so from that point of view, it's it's uh, it's it's really uh, reflective of 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 this spectacular teacher's life. Here's what's the essence of it all for me has always been, and continues to be, uh, and this is uh, just one passage. There's another plane of consciousness that is right here, actually. And you look around and you see that everybody's mishpucha, everybody's the family, everybody's a sibling. Or if you go out far enough, there's only one of us. And you really see it. You experience the oneness of things, and it's so connected and so beautiful. This is what satsang or sangha is. This is the community of beings who are acknowledging that dual intention. You work on yourself as an offering to others, and you work with others as a way of working on yourself. The circle is complete, and everything is part of that circle. And ideally, you enjoy the process because it may be an unending one. Right? This, so the, yes. this is how this book transcends uh, age groups, race, male, female, all, in fact, all of LGBTQ, it just transcends it all. And that's the core of what Ramdas has represented all these years. So you know what? I thought, I'm not going to do it like an ad for this book. We're just going to talk. That's before we got on. And suddenly, that's all I just did. <laughs> and I love that you just <laughs> randomly opened to that page, and that's how yeah. we're going to start the call. So that was yeah, great. Right. It really that. is the kind of crux of, you know, when someone says who is Ramdas or what does Ramdas teach about? I mean, that's everything wrapped up into all of it. Yeah. That's yeah. perfect. Oh, right. hey, I have to introduce you guys. Go <laughs> ahead, introduce that. yourselves. Because yeah, when I see the, I mean, you, you guys that are out there listening uh, on iTunes or whatever or Spotify, go to YouTube so you can see 
the two sisters because we were just at a retreat together and I could not tell them apart. So <laughs> now I can. I got a name. <laughs> Amy yeah, and Julie. Yeah. When we're when we're becoming nobody, it works out, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. Okay. Hi. We're Amy and Julie, Amy Butins and Julie Weinstein. And um I'm in Santa Fe, New Mexico, just outside in the Sangre de Cristo foothills. And Julie kind of comes back and forth between Santa Fe and LA. And um we're super blessed to be part of Satsang. We've been a part of the Satsang probably I don't know, since the 90s, the mid-90s, yeah. mid to late 90s. And um, between the two of us, we've got four kids, ages 18 to 14. And um, we're artists and authors and death educators and social justice activists and professionals in that realm and, and do a number of, of other professional and creative things together. And we were so blessed with the opportunity to create a book capturing Ram Dass's, um real life since post Be Here Now, let's say. So maybe could I just talk a little bit about, you know, how we came to create that project? Or Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Julie, really. you want to add anything to that? Really yeah, quick? sure. Um, yeah, happy to be here with you, Raghu. We're always happy to be with you and Satsang. And, um, and I think, you know, one of the gifts of, of writing this book, spending the last couple of years, you know, with you and others um, and each other is just to keep immersing in the teachings. Um, these are teachings that we came to as teenagers. And I think both kind of felt like a God moment um, for, for some clarity, for some direction, for some hope um for lots of love and uh you know kind of shared his wrestlings i think that the teenage experience is universal i don't know that we ever really leave that teenage experience as we age i think we're all still kind of wrestling our way through this life and yeah. probably will in, in our next incarnations but um yeah we're just super grateful to um kind of stumble each of us you know in our own way stumble upon who Ramdas is and and build a relationship with with him with his teachings with with people on the path um that were also curious and uh and for the last you know couple of years we've been you know putting pen to paper um putting watercolor to paper and doing a deep dive like Amy said into the last 50 years of the archive really how lucky are we to have the audio recordings Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, this is all his words. And it's all his words. And so I guess, like, let's talk about the origin story of this book for a minute and kind of what was going on in our lives. So we have these young kids and we're thinking, where's the resource for the younger generation? We, you know, I wish we had, you know, something we could show them. We could show them be here now and they could kind of get into that. But they thought, whoa, that's a little far out or, you know, and. You're distilling these teachings, but but we just thought, wouldn't it be amazing to have, uh, you know, a beautifully packaged presentation of Ramdas for these groups? So we started and we thought, oh, let's make a children's book, and then we we're like, well, we got to include this and this and this, and and then we just realized this is not a little kid's book. This is, you know, it's not only for teens, but it's for our parents who are like you know what how are you did, reading what are you what doing are you who's yeah. this man you follow and you know what is your spiritual practice now and but anyways so and it just evolved like that and so we just kind of when when, when we finally came to you with this idea Ravi, we we knew it was an older teen to young adult to adult it's for even um for devotees everyone. who've been on this path forever who want to look at it with beginner's mind or fresh eyes who want to share it with their children or grandchildren. And, and so that's kind of the, the origin story and where we were at with this. And, and it's been an amazing process. Um, just for us personally, mm -hmm. in the back of the book, we talk about methods, you know, and Ram Dass says, you know, don't get lost, don't get trapped in the method. This is just a method. But for us, creating a project like this. And I do recommend this to other people. If you want a method, deepen in the teachings of Ram Dass, write it, listen to him, 
transcribe his words, paint his teachings, you know, like immerse yourself mm, in a embodiment. Of, yeah. So, so that's kind of the, the origin mm. story and what we were doing. Yeah. So uh, let's go to two little guys in New Mexico. What happened that suddenly, you know, instead of uh, playing soccer and for you, <laughs> Amy, doing all, drawing and so on, what suddenly tripped you into, yeah, who's we this, Ramdas? Yeah. Do you want to, to? Yeah. You know, um, when we started writing this project for the kids, right, we were going to write sort of an extended letter, a little book, a mini book. And. We knew Ram Dass was at the end of his physical life, and um, we're lucky to spend some time with him and his body. Um, but I think at the time, we were really seeing what was coming as parents. You know, we had these young kids at the time. I mean, they're still young, thank God, you know, but then now they're all teenagers and you know, just about to leave the house for college. And, you know, and, and a couple of years ago, we we saw them moving into adolescence. and starting to wrestle with the things that most teens wrestle. Who am I? Um, what's the meaning of life? How do I interact with people I don't like? Or how do I explain the injustices of the world? Um, and these are all things that, you know, a lot of, that we still wrestle with, right? What, who is God? And what is my relationship with, with that meaning of God? And um, how do I be of use in the world. And so it was like a natural flow in a way. But once we dove in, you know, it's the interconnectedness of everything short, but once you dive into Ramdas's teachings, everything's interconnected. And so more and more just kept, um, you know, being needed to be written down. But wait, and, what about, um, I'm talking about you. About? you know, oh, about us? I'm talking little about guys, you guys. Us? Yeah. Like how we came to this? Yeah, we were in Texas exactly. at the what time. Happened? We were outside of a city in Texas on the prairie. <laughs> <laughs> we grew up in a really reformed Jewish household. Spirituality wasn't, um, you know, a topic at the dinner table, that's for sure. But we had a beautiful... Take these off Texas you were in? We, we, out, we, yeah, out, we were outside born in of Texas. A, where? We were only one outside of a few of, outside of Dallas, oh uh, just God, one of a know. few Jewish families in Dallas. So, kind of grew up in, as you know the, the the other the other, and um, you know I think that really forced us to explore who we were in a sea of conformity, and, and sometimes even defend. You know, mm -hmm. when you when you are othered like that, you really have to defend yourself but we had a um you know beautiful role models as far as social justice and philanthropy even though we were a poor family and um what it means to feed people you know these teachings maharaji and neem Proli baba i mean uh, ramdas were being presented to us we had no idea at the time and how were they presented? Wait, how did you Because hear like that? our mom took in people and fed them and you oh, know, yeah? like our our grandmother, you know, as a young child, her family um did a lot of refugee resettlement work. And oh. uh, you know, even though we didn't really have much financially, there was always like a spirit of giving. Um knitting for the food, homeless, for yeah. food, definitely. I mean, a classic Jewish family. Feed everyone. We were like, check, yes. <laughs> Got that. So we learned these concepts and we were also raised, um, you know, we were sent to Hebrew school until 10th grade. Maybe that was just because she needed child care, but it really <laughs> left a mark on us and, and encouraged us. And then come the mid nineties, we hear, you know, the name Ram Dass come up every now and then we were into the Grateful Dead and he, uh, Ram Dass had written this beautiful eulogy, a poem. And I don't even Gary remember what, what it actually said, you know, finding your true self. And, um, you know, it had a lot of concepts. And so there was little bits of Ram Dass, like, you know, mid 90s. And, and we didn't really know who he was more. So anyways, and then I found myself in Florida one time and I just sat there and I read Be Here Now cover to cover. 
And then later on, I read Still Here, which was like a such a beautiful book and highly recommend that. But, um, you know, these teachings How old were you? kept coming. Um, by that must time, have been like 19 or 20. Yeah, something like uh-huh. that. Oh, you were old. And so that really got us yeah, <laughs> to, um, you know, it just we didn't know that he was going to be such an influence in our life. And in the, the work we do, we both um, have a background in death and dying work. And he just really influenced our path. And um, later on, when we came to New Mexico, I think Julie was the first one to go. I had it was come, in 1996, and yeah. she ended up at the Hanuman House. At, at the ashram. ashram. You know, and, I sat down as a teenager accidentally, coincidentally, divinely next to a copy of Be Here Now, who someone had brought, a friend's brother had brought home from Grateful Dead to her. And I was like, what's this? You know, and I think I was probably on mushrooms at the time. And I was like wowing out on Maharaji. And uh, that was my first experience just right there next to me. And I ended up going to college in Santa Fe and, you know, stumbled upon um, the ashram, as one does as a, you know, freshman in college. And um, and ended up spending a lot of time, you know, there. I mean, thank- thankfully, uh, you know, my formative spiritual years were um, sitting at the Tucket chanting chalices. And, you know, it was interesting at the time because I was working at the temple. So on Shabbos, I would go daven on Shabbos Saturday mornings and on Sunday, you know, with the minion and have locks and bagels afterwards at the Oneg. And on Sundays, I would be up with the satsang. P.S. They were all from, you know, the temple. Many of them, right? The, the sort of like Hindus and Jubus of groovy New Mexico, you know, and go on Sundays and have prasad lunch, you know, Indian food uh, after chanting. So um, it just ended up in this sort of beautiful way. And then Amy had moved out to Santa Fe. Um, yeah. And we just deepened in the practice together so yeah. sweetly. And, you know, That's where I met you raised the- our kids. Yeah, I met you at the... Temple. At the ashram, mm. raised our babies there. You know, they would play on the playground and we mm. would bring them to the tucket and, you know, name them at, uh, at the Torah was open and name them, you know, in shul and, and then take them to the tucket. And mm-hmm. um, it's really sweet. Really, really. It just felt real. You know, it felt like this funky realness, which I think we appreciated from the satsang because you can't really get in a lot of places. Well, we didn't certainly get that in Texas. <laughs> and uh you Sorry, know how, what a mean. gift for us to have like i mean if you're in texas right now we hope that you find that funky authenticness for yourself um or create it there's someone longing in that giant state for some satsang and there's amazing fellowships there too um yeah. but yeah we just felt like we were home we mm. felt like we were home and it felt like like I don't have to pretend to know or do anything. I don't even have to know all the words to the Chalisa at that point. You know, like we're here and we're totally accepted. And there's just so much love. And what about when did you learn about the the core of the teachings, it, which is the five limbed yoga? When did you you know the five limbed yes. yoga? Yeah. And I think it was over a course of time just um, coming to really understand this, not only to learn about them, but to put them into practice. Like, Okay, wait, we're not on the same page, Aim. Yeah, I am. Wait, go with me for a minute. Because in college, <laughs> we got to take these comparative religion courses. Yeah. And so we got introduced to... Ashtanga Yoga and yeah. Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. And, you know, like we got um, these concepts that were kind of far out because you never heard of those growing up, you know. And so those, those core teachings really, I would say we learned to put them into practice when we had our children. Would yeah, you say? Okay. and for me... I'm going to yeah. explain before you go on. Okay. Five-limbed yoga is not what you are referring to. It refers to this group of miscreants who went to India with Ramdas. And Maharaji said, you're basically, he said, you know, you're all useless. All you know how to do 
is drink chai, gossip, gossip sleep, wander other. aimlessly about, etc. That's it. You're, we had no you, you. You're not meditators. You're not. You don't know how to do ritual. Which is why we felt right at home at the ashram. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Know. How would you no. answer that question, Julie? <laughs> Well, I mean, on the one hand, like Raghu, I hear you. And I do honestly, I authentically, I think that's why we felt at home at the ashram. Cause it was like, you know, um, just do your thing, right. Be weird and do your thing and do whatever no. stumble yeah. on the path. But I will say in seriousness though, there is, you know, speaking of the yogas, I mean, the pieces of karma yoga and black tea yoga really, really resonated. Mm-hmm. And I think um, for me, you know, and I know for Amy too, uh, maybe when we were in our early 20s or when I was in my early 20s, that was where I had this space to start practicing some of that. You know, the the um, the work uh, that we have been doing for, you know, over two decades uh, in death and dying or in social activism um I think really stems from or is is rooted in the foundation of karma yoga, bhakti yoga, you know, devotion mm-hmm. and service. Mm-hmm. And for us, that is like the, you know, drishti, like that is the spot of focus. North star. Yeah, mm-hmm. the North star. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, but um, I had somebody who uh, who just was talking to me about being at, I think it was at one of the bigger retreats that we do either now in Boone, North Carolina, which is coming up this summer, or in Maui, where we were mm-hmm. in uh, November, December. And, oh, I know, it, it came up in a satsang that I did with some people in Vancouver. Cool. Yeah, and they had been there. One of them had been there and asked me. So they actually they were asking about because they'd seen the movie Brilliant Disguise, mm-hmm. and in there is the five limbed yoga, and they wanted to know what what role that that played in the lineage of Neem Karoli Baba. The rascality. Yeah. And, <laughs> So uh, we went through just like we just did, you know, that yeah. basically we were good for only those five <laughs> different things, which, and it took, and what, but what did that really do? It took the self-seriousness about yeah. us being on a spiritual path and thinking that there was a, it, it was goal-oriented. You do a bunch of meditation rituals, uh, chanting, whatever you, yoga, whatever you do, you will get somewhere. It took, it just completely undercut that whole thing. So the person yeah. said, oh yeah, so you know, eh, Krishnadas does some nice kirtan chanting, there's chai in the back, people hang out and talk. I said, that's it. That's exactly that's it. what it is. <laughs> and I honestly, like how lucky are we? How wonderful. Like that quality, Ramdas talks a lot about Neem Karoli's ba- Neem Karoli Baba's uh, quality of rascality, mm-hmm. which I love that word, like how Ramdas is that. But um, we're a bunch of goofballs, mm-hmm. like fumble, really fumbling our way through, trying, you know, doing. But he also says, like, do you want to um, die a meditator, become a meditator? Yeah. Yeah. Or do you want to lose yourself in the meditation? Yeah. Like yeah. you can do that too. You know, he also says like, uh, right. Do you want to like um, offer your prayers to Jesus or do you want to become Christ consciousness? Mm-hmm. I, like that I think is, is the piece where it's like, Oh, right. And uh, we can, we can just lose ourselves in the silliness of this without taking things too seriously yeah. and practice yeah. anyways. Yeah. Um, but, even to the point with Maharaji, as again a scene from Brilliant Disguise, uh, where he tells. So this movie, everybody, like you've heard me talking about it before, the mm-hmm. Samadhi of K.C. Tuari called Brilliant Disguise, uh, and he was a, a highly accomplished yogi. And one day Maharaji said, "Well, uh, go over there. There's there's a, a you know a fire puja going on." 
offerings are being made. It was probably for Durga Puja or something. And he went over there, and he's doing the thing like nobody else could. I've never seen anybody else do ritualistic stuff where the mm-hmm. deity actually came down. That was the first time that ever happened. And wow. then, then suddenly, he, he, he's relating the story. He said, suddenly there's this shouting at me. <laughs> yeah. Right? From Maharaji shouting, basically saying, you fool, what are you doing? Wasting, you're doing all of this puja and stuff and people are starving to death? <laughs> Stop! Who would right. do that? What, you know, quote-unquote guru would do, I mean, I, oh, totally. I just wouldn't, have, well, you know, how about that the seriousness story? of the puja, you know, and he's telling him, stop that bullshit yeah. and feed people. You, you know, know, you used to tell stories about, and maybe it was Ramdas too, but you used to tell stories about how you would be sitting, you know, Ramdas would be sitting in just very serious meditation and, you know, losing himself, going into samadhi, and then Baba would just like toss an apple into yeah. his crotch really hard, you know, it was like, yeah. <laughs> like but, a rabbi or priest, you know, while you're offering your prayers, would yeah. just toss an apple to break your concentration. Yeah. It's really but, ridiculous. But, but this is like, so Ramdas, and he's like, you need to infuse your life, even your spiritual practice with humor, yep. you know? Or, like don't take yourself so seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, we're all suffering, and yeah. we can have joy. We, you know, both can be true. All can be true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, his yeah. thing, you can be on more than one plane of consciousness at mm-hmm. the same right. time, mm-hmm. is right. so very real and relevant. And um, yeah. we actually, when he first started living, Ramdas in uh, Maui in two thousand and the end of two thousand and four to two thousand and five. Uh, finally, he had been very sick. I guess you guys mm-hmm. know that whole story. Yeah, he had, uh, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. sepsis. And uh, we got him out of there and into a house and everything. Um, you know, he, the first thing we talked about, and this has never actually come to light. In other words, we've never put it out. It was an, we we did a chat with him one day, a, a man named David Silver, who was my podcast partner mm-hmm. uh, in the beginning days of uh, Be Here Now Network, Mind Rolling. Mm-hmm. And um, it was about, it was called The Habit of Honesty. Mm-hmm. And it was so much about how meaningful that was for us when we first heard Ramdas. You know, it was just... It was okay because he was so self-honest about his foibles and so on. Yeah, and you all you had a feeling. Okay, it's okay. I can be. You know, I'm not the only one sitting around with these horrific thoughts and dark desires and God knows what. And that was uh, so a very um, relieving, big time. Mm-hmm. Aside from the transmission of Maharaji, basically at at that time. Uh, and through all of these decades, and uh, that, of course, and his, but then you do take the, a little bit more serious in terms of the way that we do have to do something uh, and deal with. As Maharaji said, I, I've done everything for you. He said to the Westerners at one point, mm-hmm. "I leave you the mind," which is not a wonderful thought actually you think thanks <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah but so it calls so then it then you start thinking about you know stuff that's in the book yeah. um that is relevant in terms of what we can do to occupy our time aside from watching netflix mm-hmm. uh to uh form uh, uh new habitual patterns at the very least that will help ex- extricate out of the what I call and been working on this thing, the movie of me, basically. Um, and so Ramdas's first early teaching, which is in here, I mean, I just passed through it, was around the witness, mm-hmm. which is a, really, it's from um, Ospensky. It's the, he got it from Gurdjieff and Ospensky, Ospensky being a Gurdjieff student. Um, and it was a way for people to identify what was going on in the moment and now is called mindfulness. And uh, a tremendously um, beneficial practice that can be taken 
into realms of self-seriousness and other really screwy things like becoming a better stockbroker once you become more mind, you know, uh, material oh, stuff. Right. As, yeah, spiritual materialism, as mm-hmm. Trungpa Rinpoche would talk about it. And but so Ramdas did give tools right at the get go and then diffuse them as much as possible with humor. Yeah. And I think his honesty was what allowed millions to connect with him. And I hope the teens who read this book still connect with him through his honesty and and not only pick up on that witness and all these other techniques, but also just kind of see him as like a living example who emulates um, compassion for himself on this path, who's tapped into this divine, this divine power that, you know, kind of has this ally rooting for him, guiding him and the soul, this concept of the soul and, and seeing life through that perspective can help you not dissociate, but, you know, witness i I think ragu that teaching of the witness and especially the telling telling the truth Mm -hmm. that was really helpful for us as younger people i mean it still is now as middle-aged people and i'm assuming it will be when you know we're wise elders as well um no one ever i mean our parents sure people's parents say all the time tell me the truth you know but that's (laughs) not necessarily what they're teaching is you know, can we be honest enough with ourselves? Can we like pause for a second in the swirlingness of whatever it is, the teenage drama, the, you know, the self identity crisis in your 20s, whatever it is, can I be honest enough to bear witness to what is, you know, like he would say in his talks, like, holy shit, far out, look at this, you know, there's earthquakes, and there's floods, and right, all he would go through the litany of, you know, the bad, the bad things look at this. What is the truth of this? And where am I in this equation? And can I be honest enough with myself? Can I tell myself the truth? Or can I tell my, can I tell my truth to others after I have sat with it enough to know like what the scene is? It was just a really helpful teaching Mm. and it still is, you know? Enormously. Yeah. I mean, to get a grip on, first of all, stopping to believe in our stories and thoughts is to yeah. go inside and actually see the truth of what we do and how we manipulate and how we defend and how totally. we choose, you know, the easy path, uh, you know. Oh, the roles that we play, you know, I'm the victim, Yeah. right? Sometimes you are actually, and, and you don't admit that to, you know. Yeah. 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 Super um, helpful. Ramdas went to India uh, in 1966, seven in there, and he well he first and he went to Nepal first, but he went because uh, one of the basic motivations was after all of the psychedelic journeying that he had done through all of those years, he he just felt he did not have the correct map. And I'm yeah. obviously referring Ramdas maps the journey. So he wanted to find that, and he thought he would find it in the east. And when he met Neem Karoli Baba, he found it uh, in a human being who had gone beyond duality, who was actually living. Uh, I don't know if you know this. You know, the entrance to Kenchi, which is the ashram that we met Maharaji Neem Karoli Baba in, mm-hmm. used to, when we were first there, it said, Oh, you know, oh, the arch that you would enter through. Mm-hmm. It um, it said uh, Param Puja, Neem Karoli Baba Advaita Hanuman Temple. Mm-hmm. Advaita, which means non-dual. Mm-hmm. What the hell's non-dual here? This is mm-hmm. Bhakti Yoga. Right. This is Hanuman. This mm-hmm. is Ram and Sita. Mm-hmm. And that is a you know a, an extremely uh, telling thing about the reality of what what the core of this of this teaching is but anyhow ramdas did go there and he he did find the map 
and of course psychedelics were a, a part a big part of it for him given who he was and the experimentation he he uh, undertook for many many years mm-hmm. and then giving it to maharaji and all of those stories several of those stories uh what is your all relationship to that both yeah. in thinking of the next gen and well first of all thinking of yourselves and how that has had an influence and how has ramdas influenced you yeah. in that whole sphere amy you want to start that and then i want to read something too sure. just a very quick thing i um well before we jump into the answer to that i just want to say because we this is the perfect subway and I, I found this really both julie and i did when we had a group of beta readers and that was that part in the book when he met maharaji was the number one like favorite part and the feedback was which we thought who what teen is gonna like this might be a little far out for the teens when he meets his guru you know the psychedelic part they loved you know of course but but they, to, the, the feedback was, I couldn't believe somebody would love somebody that much. Like, that was really? so beautiful to hear mm-hmm. these teens mm-hmm. say that. Which really so, made us feel like um, that universal experience of wanting to be loved unconditionally was understood. So I think, can I just say really quick, Julie, before you read what yeah, I want yeah, to say, please. is that psychedelics are... A gateway. They can be for a certain personality and in the right set and setting can allow you to get the glimpse of this conscious, this um, another plane of existence where you feel loved and you feel beauty and you feel unity and oneness with all that there is. And I think that is um, the gateway into unity consciousness for a lot of people so what do you want to read julie and then we'll dive into that that conversation and and your questions about our relationship Uh, with that happy to share i just i want to offer something which is in the book um as sort of a caution the again ramdas's words because i think for a lot of people this is the one place where they trip up no pun intended over you know, they don't want their, they don't want to tell their children about this, or they don't think that their kids are ready yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for the folks that are watching that have children or for the teens or young adults that are, are watching this later, like, you know, that this is going to come up or it has come up a million times. So it might be something you're exploring. And so what Ramdas said very clearly was the psychedelic experience isn't necessarily for everybody. And we need to be sensitive to this. I want to be clear. Psychedelics are subject to incredible misuse, especially when they're not approached sacramentally or consciously. It's better if you wait to become somebody before you try to become nobody. Most kids use drugs before their egos are settled. Because they use them prematurely, they lose their ground and could even lose their ability to function in society. I honor psychedelics as a method. But I say there are other methods. The game is not to get high. The game is to become free. Mm. And I just, I want to ground in that because it's a practice um, or it can be. And, um, and uh, that's special. And it's also not without its risk. Mm-hmm. So. Well, you know, there's, in fact, the book he put out, uh, in the late 60s with Sidney Cohn. Mm-hmm. It's called LSD. And nice. it is, it's a, it's a manual for all of the precautions that one needs to take when dealing with a psych- psychotropic substance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so they did a good job of that. Uh, in yeah. fact, so this is a re-release of that book, actually. It's uh, beautiful. Yeah, and, but it, it, the guts of it are really important. And uh, I think when you uh, when you create that set and setting that they talked about so much, when you create that in terms of of this kind of uh, it's it's more much more of a ritualistic approach. 
there is, uh, especially with people who have experience in this area and have done it before and help guide people, then I, I think um, I wouldn't agree as far as risk is concerned, obviously. Uh, in those kinds of circumstances, I think you're, you know, you're in safe, in a yeah. safe place. It's when you go off on your own and and you're young and you feel you can just go clubbing and stuff like that that's mm-hmm. you know when you you end up potentially having a problem and and basically it that's not what it's for and it's not a matter of okay we just want to have a f- fun time right you know there's all kinds of low dose ways to to do that but if you're actually having a, you know a true experience uh, which l- opens up as Huxley said the doors of perception uh, mm-hmm. Then it has to it has to be within that formality of set and setting. I just right. wanted to add that. And yeah. I think you're 100 percent right. But I think where we go wrong as parents, or you know, um, community leaders, teachers, whatever, is we delay this conversation. Like, oh, it's taboo to talk about this with our kids, or why you know we use the word. We, we loop these chemicals, um, psychedelics, or plant medicine into the same conversation as drugs, and we keep this, you know, for later in life, when, when they're ready. Or, and I think it's kind of a failure, and I think that Rondas presented it beautifully in this book. Like, there is a gentle way to talk about this and to start introducing these concepts and make it um, a conversation that we can have I don't know. I think it's different for all families, but like the the stance that Julie and I took is like radical honesty with our kid, but let's with our kids, but let's start laying things out early in life so it doesn't seem so taboo. Let's talk about psychedelics or or uh, substances that alter your consciousness. What is consciousness? What are what are those? You know, and what are you be, searching for, right? Right, or what are you using that for? Or, how do you use them or what, how do you safely use that? Or Mm -hmm. how do you avoid that until you're ready? Or so I think creating a dialogue with the kids around that and like, this is a YA, this is a young adult subject, Um, you know, drugs, sex, suicide, all these things that kids, you know, face, I would say Mm -hmm. even early on, they're watching Mm -hmm. their parents deal with it. They're, they're intuitive. They know what, it's going on in society. They know, they know what, you know, things are before we think they do, I think. And, um, Mm -hmm. so I, I think Ram Dass kind of paved the way for everyone to, to, to make this a a kitchen table topic, if you will. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. It became one for me, unbeknownst to me, I had no idea it was going to happen. My granddaughter just turned 13, Mm -hmm. you know, so we had a bat mitzvah and everything. Anyhow, I was just hanging with her and, and my son. And she asked, she, she's she been on, I've had her on podcasts, by the way. She's, she's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Really well Zoe. I mean, yeah. yeah beyond. beyond. Mm-hmm. So she asked my son about his relationship with my father. And my, my father was like, um, you know, PTSD World War II veteran. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. yep. you know, despotic. I, you know, I had a terrible time with him. Uh, but, and so my son related something that happened to him along those same lines. And, and so it led me to say, but mm-hmm. Zoe, we were saved because my mm-hmm. father came to India because he wanted to see how my brother and I were doing, supposedly. Yeah, for himself. So he came there and Maharaji said to me, did you give your father the medicine after some preliminary stuff about knowing who got on the plane with him? And my father was like, oh, my God, you know, how does anybody know anything about me that I don't even remember? Mm. Uh, anyhow, he said, did you give him the medicine? I said, yeah, he had a cold. So I gave him some yogi, uh, some, I'm pruning the story, some aspirin. Mm-hmm. And then he said, no, the yogi medicine that Ramdas gave me. I went, acid? And my father, sitting there, 50-odd-year-old, you know, advertising yeah. guy like Don Draper out of that show. Right. Uh, and he, he's LSD. <laughs> and sure enough, in Benares, where 
just by where the the burning ghats are for thousands mm -hmm. of years, twenty four seven. My father, who right. didn't even, he thought he wasn't afraid to die. He was so out of it, you know. He had no wow. lost all connection until that a moment, uh, mm. and had you know. And it wasn't a, a transformative trip because uh, whatever I got, somebody gave me a hit. It wasn't enough to make you question whether you mm. you know who right. you are that deeply. But it, it did hit him on the death level. Every mm. with dead body putting money on, you know, he had a whole yeah, like death trip. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Set and setting. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's yeah. like great. That sounds yeah, so that, relaxing. That was a little different <laughs> set and setting for dad, but you know, it was yeah. cool. And and we ended up back with Maharaji, who never said a word and then told him stuff that about this horse farm and <laughs> saved a horse that nobody could know and he wow. fell on the floor. From that moment on, we had a, a wonderful relationship. My whole family mm. came together. So Maharaji threw dynamite at him with this yeah. acid thing and completely wow. changed the course of our life. But more the point of the story is my granddaughter, who I think they've broached it, you know, my son and daughter, I think they've broached the subject with with her in a way, you know, in a, in a very yeah. measured way, but I'm not quite sure because I wasn't there. But mm -hmm. she was like, Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. She wanted my to hear great more grandfather. About yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> so it so funny. the way that it happened was so cool because of her curiosity. Yeah. Because she is very very curious and yeah and and very measured in her thinking and and so on and mm -hmm. so forth. It's so yeah, you you just never know. You never right. know. Mm. Yeah, oh, I think it's important to have the conversation, and you can use um. Ramdas says the segue into it with your kids if you wanted, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing that story. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys, aside from everything, we didn't even say some of the wonderful work that you guys do. Mm -hmm. um, particularly, uh, uh, I'm thinking both of you work uh, with chaplaincy in prisons. Is that true? I am a chaplain in the jails and also in the in the justice movement. Yeah. Um, and I have been going in, um, it's been, it's been great cause I get to talk about Ronda sometimes too, but, oh, yeah. uh, I go into the jails, um, as a chaplain and provide pastoral counseling and spiritual support. Um, Amy and I do a lot of writing for, um, materials that I take into the jail and that are also, uh, disseminated throughout the country at other prisons and jails, um, through this network of, uh, care providers as well. Mm. And then we have a background in the death and dying work. We're both certified thanatologists, integrative thanatologists, and we what's that? Basically, what's that word? it's called a thanatologist. Thanatologist. Just, mm -hmm, wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, and so we teach on the subject, and we work with families, grieving families, and people who are dying, and mm. we also prepare bodies for burial. We've done that for quite some time, and then. We also work on a, a number of different multimedia projects, currently working on a stop motion animation film. And we have another book in the works about Dr. Mangle's twin experiments in the Holocaust. Oh. It's kind of a heavy subject, oh, but shit. But um, yeah, so we're kind of all over the place. But um, like I said, there's a little bit of Ramdas in, in everything yeah. we do. I so. think, I guess I would sum it all up to say like our background is in um, grief, loss, and trauma. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, talk about somebody who worked in that area. Yeah. His completely for all of the decades that he taught. Uh, yeah. You know, even before he was Ramda, before mm -hmm. he entered into in, that field. You know, these two books you asked about, like, you know, growing up, my, I've put stickers on them over the years. How can I help his book? Yeah. And, and also Mirabai Bush and Ramdas wrote this beautiful book called Compassion in Action. And yeah. I, you should see these. They're all marked up. I mean, Amy's seen them highlighted, marked mm. up, and just a, you know, deep guidance um, for anybody. Really, you don't have to work in a classic helping profession. And he even talked about getting beyond the helper role. Um, mm. But those were formative um, and foundational uh, books. Mm. For, By the for way. All of the books are available yeah. at ramdas.org slash shop, I think. Yeah. But you'll find the store there. I think it's shop. And uh, particularly, of course, 
get you are the universe because it's just absolutely a wonderful mm-hmm. representation of Ramdas from birth to death and everything in between. And I, you know, we were talking about how many people earlier before we got on, how many people are, are, are being moved by it. it it's both a, so, so direct and well-spoken, because Ramdas is so well-spoken, but the way you guys picked up those uh, particular passages that you, you know, you put together, um, and not to mention artwork, like, look. At mm, I know, I needed such a beautiful job. Amy, really, I mean, people are just saying, wow, you know, just some of the, the this, I love this. I love that iguana. Iguana, it's so And great. it goes so well with the story. I mean, if you, if folks know, and then you'll read that piece of the story, you know, it's just the nuances of the journey. Yeah, so. But we're so grateful for all the positive feedback and thank you to everybody who's leaving reviews and and helping spread the message. Oh, yeah, that's a good thing. Everybody, if you bought a book on Amazon and you leave a review, <laughs> it's going to help the visibility of the book on Amazon. Yeah. And, you know, but, we, we want to share it as much as possible. So whatever you really can do to help everybody else. But there. just to know it's worldwide, like we're seeing it in Oslo and Germany and Israel. And mm. um, just it's incredible to know that Ramdas's message is touching. Romania. Yeah. It's incredible. Mm. <laughs> so it's oh, pretty true. special. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you guys for being here. And, thank well, you and so more much. thank yeah. you for doing the book and approaching us to uh, help sure. help get it out there uh i you know this is so this is evergreen for sure and mm-hmm. uh yeah it's uh, quite wonderful so so everybody all of the links and books that we've been talking about and and you know ramdas's whole library is available ramdas.org slash shop and uh, you can get them easily there and it also goes a long way to help support what we're doing at love server member foundation so, again, thank you guys. This is uh, BeHereNowNetwork.com. Go to BeHereNowNetwork.com slash mindrolling to get all the links and everything else and find out uh, more about all of the wonderful uh, teachers and podcasters that are on the network. So we'll see you next week. Mm, lots of love. Thank you. Take good care, everyone.